Hi, on this episode of K-12 Tech Talk, we interview Josh Renaud of the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, and we talk about his incident that took place with the Department of Education's website, and then the response from the governor's office and all the days after. Have a listen. This is K-12 Tech Talk. K-12 Tech Talk. The podcast by K-12 Techs. For K-12 Techs, real conversations, real arguments, and real banter on trending K-12 technology topics and issues. Live from the somethingcool.com studios, this is K-12 Tech Talk, episode 63. And Chris, the weather was super nice today. It was like almost 80 degrees Jeremy did us a solid in the green room tonight. He left us barbecued pork steaks. It's delicious. They were fantastic. I heard he makes his own barbecue sauce. Oh, I believe it. And, and butchers his own pigs. I didn't hear that part. Oh, that's what I've been told. Do you want to talk about something cool real quick? Yeah, so somethingcool.com, a proud sponsor of the K-12 Tech Talk podcast. If you have a computer issue, if you need server stuff, networking, phone, anything, uh, in particular, we've been learning more about Ring Central. Uh, email Jeremy at sales at somethingcool.com. Uh, you can give them a call as well. I forget their number. It's a it's a 1-800 number. It has the word cool uh, in it. So do a Google search on that. Another sponsor I'll quickly bring up uh, because it's odd. Uh, there's two Joshes in the room today. We're going to unpack that in just a minute. So I feel like Josh in general is going to talk like the whole time. So I'm going to get some words <laughs> off first. Uh, so another quick sponsor is Aruba uh, HPE. Uh, a quick highlight on them is the 635 access point, a great spec wireless access point, And it's actually been running in stock, I hear. What? That's what I hear. That's the rumor on the street. Uh, hopefully we'll, we'll be getting our 635s in our school district uh, soon. And then another sponsor is Pondurance. Uh, Pondurance does manage detection and response. They are backed by AI. They can help you manage your threats in your district. Uh, if you don't have a dedicated security guy, uh, because what K-12 can afford one, uh, you might be able to afford Pondurance instead. Uh, and instead of a guy or a gal, you get a 24-7 team. Uh, you can also call them for incident response help. So check out Pondurance, pondurance.com, request a demo and mention us. And I might as well say this, get on my word count in here at the beginning. Uh, email us at k12techtalk at gmail.com. Tweet us at k12techtalkpod. Uh, go to our website, k12techtalkpodcast.com. We also have that new online store available. Uh, we will put that in the podcast description as well. That said, without further ado, I give you Josh and Josh. Yes, we are super excited about this episode. And real quick about Pondurance, um, Chris mentioned EDR, uh, the Enhanced Detection Response. If you have cybersecurity insurance and your cybersecurity insurance has not mentioned an EDR requirement, get ready. Um, you are going to need to get very, very familiar with the phrase or the three letters EDR. You're going to need to find an uh, antivirus software solution that is EDR capable. So back to this episode, and this isn't, we've been interviewing guest hosts here for the last four or five weeks. Uh, this is not a guest host episode. I mean, he could be a guest host. I, you never know. He might this stick could around. be the guy. Yeah, this could be the guy. Um, sorry, Mark in Boston, but uh, um, this is, we're super excited about this. This is going to be a very special episode. We have with us um, Josh Renaud from the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. And if you've been listening to our podcast for a while, you will remember back in October, episode 47, we started to talk about an issue with the Department of Education's website here in Missouri that just so happened that Josh found a flaw with their website. And the flaw had actually exposed um, private information, very private information, of educators in Missouri, retired, active, um, to the tune of several hundred thousand people. Uh, he did what any good guy does, and he let Desi know before anything else happened. And unfortunately, uh, as we'll learn from his story and his talk with us tonight, that's where things went sideways. Support for Josh during this event over this several-month period of time uh, was huge. 
if you're if you remember the podcast, we obviously talked about it. We started selling a, a, cert, a shirt that kind of took a, a a slant on it. Um, there was Twitter support from people like Brian Krebs. There was support from all of these uh, K-12 school districts in Missouri. Uh, a huge amount of cyber folks on Twitter were sharing these articles and just saying how ridiculous uh, what how how ridiculous it was what was happening to Josh and the and the the steps that were being taken against him. Um, so after months of investigation by the Highway Patrol, and they conducted interviews with Department of Education staff and several other state officials, as well as an interview with Josh and others, it was reported a few weeks ago that charges were not being filed. We are super excited to have Josh with us this evening. Uh, welcome to the show, Josh. Well, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, we are we are pumped. So it just, was like it was like five till you were supposed to show, and we weren't sure if you were going to show up or not. Josh was getting really nervous. <laughs> no, I was actually. I was normally, telling him to like chill, bro. He's gonna come. He said he was gonna come. Normally, I'm I yeah. Normally, I'm the really nervous one, but I was like really zen. I knew you were gonna come. I, I knew you were gonna show up, man. Um. So give us, a, just introduce yourself to us. Give us a little bit of your background, um, what you do at the Post, and how how your toe got dipped into this pool of whatever this was uh, over the last, what was it, uh, four or five months. Yeah, so I've worked at the Post on and off for almost 20 years. Um, I started there as an intern in... Uh, it was the fall of 2001, and uh, that was when the, the Rams went – that was the season the Rams went to their super, second Super Bowl. Oh, cool. The, I was working as a sports design intern, and so the uh, post kind of kept me on to help out with the Super Bowl coverage. And so my – what was supposed to be like a three-month internship turned into like a six-month thing. And um, so kind of first – Several years after that, I was I kind of worked a bunch of temp stints for the post, and then kind of got hired on full time a um, few years after that. So I, I think I've been there full time for like seventeen years or some some somewhere around there. Okay. And you know, over those years, um, most of that time I was a designer, so I was designing a sports cover or the front page um, for all kinds of big stuff. Like uh, in St. Louis, when Stan Musial died, was a huge huge thing. And I was the the, sort of the caretaker of a special obituary section that we had prepared in advance for, for when he died. And um, yeah, just all kinds of, you know, anything you can think of multiple world series and uh, you know, all kinds of stuff. I I was there working late, working those late nights, getting the the front page together. That's really Um, cool. So, so you've seen some history. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, And, and lived through a lot of it. Um, I was working the night that, uh, that Ferguson police killed Michael Brown and I live in Ferguson and oh wow so all of the the stuff that unfolded after that was uh that was a crazy time um and so so yeah but mo- most of my career I my primary job was as a page designer and then uh about 10 years ago um I started doing some interactive work for the paper so putting together uh like interactive quizzes for our website um and just, you know, different kind of coding things, building small, like self-contained apps, new, like, huh. like wet web apps, um, automating our election coverage, um, and a lot of just a whole bunch of things along those lines. And that f- for a number of years, I was kind of doing both. So maybe like three or four days a week, I was doing print design. And then one or two days a week, I was working on interactive stuff. And then um, maybe just a couple of years ago, I s- switched to doing that full time. So so now I do um, kind of, it's a little bit of data journalism, a little bit of analysis, um, and then just a lot of kind of coding and building things. And, um, and then there's certain projects that, that happen every year that I always help with, like elections being a big one. We're, right now we're putting together our voters guide. So that's a, that's, um, a project that I help with every year. So that's, that's pretty cool, a, 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 a career path that went from, like you said, page design and, and cover pages and stuff like that to to coding and programming web apps that's uh that's pretty cool did you have much experience in college or or wherever with coding or were you exposed to coding at all or is it a hobby that you picked up on the side so i did 
I did web design, uh, like freelance web design for many of those years. Um, okay. when I was, when I was like a senior in high school, that was the first year that, um, like our, that our school paper did any online issues. Uh, I was at Hazelwood West and we, we published our very first online issues in 19, in 1998. Um, and so that was kind of where I got my feet wet with learning how to, to write HTML and build my own web pages. And, um, but I wasn't really doing coding as such, you know, um, I started to learn a little bit, like I, I would download these like Perl scripts yeah, or, uh, or PHP, you know, like I wanted to have a guest book on my website or something. And so, you know, you, you would download these scripts and try to figure out how to put yep. it in your, your how to CGI make it work. folder. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah and, exactly. And if something went wrong with it, or if you wanted to, to, to fix it, then you, you know, I might try some tweaks that maybe they worked and maybe they didn't. So I kind of, kind of pecked along learning a little bit of stuff like that. And then it was maybe, um, you know, about 10 or 15 years ago that, that, uh, my bosses really encouraged me to, to kind of step up and do, they, they, they saw potential in me that I kind of was underrating myself, I guess, on how much coding I was capable of. And within just a few months of taking that job, I realized I actually, I could do a whole lot. I could, uh, there's a, there's a ton of stuff I'm capable of doing with code. And so, um, you know, I don't, I, Still, I know I still got a ton to learn, but you know I, I do a lot of stuff with um, with Python and JavaScript. And- oh, that's cool. So, so take us to how you found what you found, uh, not how you did it, but um, what you were the data you found, um, and and how um, what happened next. You know, notifying department Department of Education about that. Walk us through that a little bit, or tell give us a little bit of that history. Sure. Well, the first thing I would say is, you know, for any of your listeners, the uh, the Highway Patrol report about the, uh, their investigation into yeah. all of this stuff is out there. You can find it on stltoday.com. I and, read it yesterday. Yeah. And it's really detailed. It um, goes into a lot of a lot of stuff. So I'm not going to repeat like all the stuff that's in there. But um, I mean, the long and the short of it is I found this flaw in a form on the, the Desi website. That was that made it possible to obtain private information uh, for basically all the certificated teachers in Missouri. And at the time I found it, my rough estimate was that it was about a hundred thousand people. What I f- came to realize later, and I, I finally have a we finally have a hard figure for it, but I came to realize kind of after the fact that actually this form didn't just have one year of data in it; it had many years of data. So it it probably included like retirees and stuff from from past years so there right. were actually um hundreds of thousands not just uh, one hundred thousand. Mm. um so anyway we found the flaw we reported it to desi told them that um you know we want that we wanted them to fix it we wanted to notify them about it and, and wanted to give them uh time to take the website down right and and make sure that that no other websites had that same flaw but also, this is a story. I mean, uh, hundreds of thousands of teachers' private information being exposed, that's a, that's a story. And, right. and I'm a journalist. And so, you know, when I find news, um, we're, you know, we're going to write about it. So, uh, you know, we told them we were going to do a story, but that we would not publish the story um, until after um, they had been able to take steps to mitigate um, any potential harm. Yeah, that exposure risk or that, that exactly. vulnerability. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, real quick... Can, are, are you comfortable with, with me saying or saying what that private information was, that, that, num- that data? Yeah, it was social security numbers. Okay. I yeah. wasn't sure if you, if you were comfortable saying that or not. So, so the high and low of it, DESI, the Department of Education in Missouri, maintained this database, for lack of a better term, of the certificated employees in the state of, um, you know, my, my wife is one. Uh, my in-laws were our retired teachers. You know, every school district has, you know, I, I, my district has, I think 227 teachers or 228 teachers. Um, so Desi maintains this data for all of the certificated staff across the state. And I think Chris and I may actually be in there too, even though we're not certificated staff. Um, I've seen losers. Yeah. We're, we're unfortunately not, not certified staff. Um, so they, they retain data like, um, salary, how many years of experience, education level, stuff like that. Um, and, and unfortunately, on the site that Josh was on, um, 
there was a vulnerability that exposed the social security number of individuals that data was housed on this site. Um, and, and honestly, up until this point, um, the, the nerd in me agrees with you that that's right. You did the right things. Like you found the vulnerability and I'll give you a great, I'll, I'll give you an example. I've, I've started contracting to get vulnerability assessments done. We, I have, Point, via those vulnerability assess, assessments, um, we've pinpointed a few vulnerabilities and we've let those manufacturers know about those mm-hmm. vulnerabilities. That's the ethical way to go about vulner- finding a vulnerability on a site or a service or an application. If the vendor doesn't know it's there, they have to be informed that it's there to take action on it. And And then if they don't take action on it, that problem's on them. Um, so that's, and I've had to do this um, several times this year with a couple different applications. So, yeah, I, I, I think you know, I don't. I think you would have a hard time saying, and and we'll get into that next. That that you did something wrong because I, I don't believe you did, Chris. I, oh, yeah, I, I uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure, sure. I've talked about this before too. I, at at the simplest level for me, I compare it to our students uh, in middle school and high school. We have uh, a tech department bug bounty uh, and I email the student body and I say, if you ever find a website that isn't blocked, that should be, let me know if there's a Google or Chromebook setting that isn't set right. That's letting you do something that you shouldn't. If you let me know, um, I give kids candy bars. Uh, I give uh, and the the, and to fast forward to get to the part that we want to unpack a lot of on on, on how this impacted you. It would be like me having kids come and tell me something that I've done wrong to my Google settings. And then I tell them to go to the principal's office or threaten to suspend them. Yeah. 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 You're getting kicked out of school, son. Yeah. Uh, That's the flip. And it, it and that's what for me just blew my mind. Because I encourage it. I encourage our students to do the student thing, you know, the student level thing of that. And I hope that I'm instilling that in them that when they're adults, they behave in a similar way. Right. It's a yeah. responsibility thing. It, it's it, it's a responsibility thing. It, it, may, Josh, maybe that's where this went wrong. You didn't give Desi a candy bar. Maybe, <laughs> maybe you should have delivered a candy bar to him and this would have gone better. Um so so let's talk about that a little bit with whatever level you're comfortable with. When did you realize this or how quickly did you realize this was going sideways? So the I guess the without getting like too much into the timeline and stuff, essentially, you know, I think it was like maybe Monday that we notified them and we were in touch with um, with their communications department Monday and Tuesday. And, you know, we'd explained that we wanted to talk to some folks who could speak to us with authority about technical issues. Cause you know, we had questions that, right. that we knew readers were going to want answers to how many teachers were in this database. How long had it been configured with, uh, with this particular configuration that, that exposed this data um, you know, things along those lines that we wanted to, to talk with somebody about. And um, so they, they, you know, told us that they were working to get an interview like that. Um, initially they thanked me, uh, the spokeswoman for Desi in our first conversation, thanked me for bringing this to their attention, which I think is <laughs> any rational person would have that first response. Right. I have found plenty of bugs over the years that, that, that I've, you know, notified people about, but those were generally like data issues, you know, like, you know, essentially we were, we were expecting to be able to have some kind of an interview, um, and, as when the time was getting closer where we were expecting that to happen, um, I think it was that afternoon that, that uh, their spokesperson reached out to us and said that that or wanted wanted our lawyers information. And and so when they when they did that, I said, oh, OK, this is weird. And, uh, you know, do I need a lawyer? <laughs> yeah. So from that point forward, um, Josh, you're everything... laughing, but the other Josh is not laughing. No, no, no. <laughs> we're laughing with you though okay yeah yeah (laughs) yeah i would have been puking right i mean like chris knows me really well i i would not have had a good response to that request (laughs) 
<laughs> oh man. So yeah, that, that, I mean, that was pretty much it. Um, when they wanted counsel and they, they weren't willing to talk anymore and, and said that, you know, we would have to talk to their, to their counsel. Then we knew something was weird. Um, but you know, the story was, we were actively working on the story and it was going to publish whether we were able to talk to them or not. I already had some quotes from my earlier conversations, um, and plenty of stuff, um, you know, kind of background stuff. Like uh, we, we, we looked at some of the audits that the state auditor had done into Desi and um, on kind of student information issues, kind of similar to what yep, you were yep. talking about. Um, so, you know, we had all everything that we needed for the story. And um, but shortly as we, right when we were getting ready to publish it, we became aware we started hearing from teachers um, or people in school districts that were receiving this letter from Desi um, that essentially talked about uh, like a hack. I don't remember if it used the word hacker, but but that's essentially, it was, if you knew what was going on, you knew yeah. they were accusing me of hacking and the yeah. post-dispatch of, of hacking mm-hmm. rather than actually ag- acknowledging what, what, what really had gone on, which was that a vulnerability had been discovered right. that affected hundreds of thousands of people. Um, and then, and then of course the next morning, um, you know, the story appeared in print and then the, the governor, called this press conference and that was what was kind of completely unexpected um i mean the whole thing of the press releases and stuff that was unexpected but then for the governor to take it up uh i never would have thought the governor would have had anything to do with any of this you know it just seemed like a a, uh bad news but but you know kind of bad news that we hear a lot of like this is happening around the country uh with different companies and and governments and stuff and no one wants to hear that this has happened, but it, well, it's happening. And, and I, I, there's an important distinction there too, though. You know, the, the stuff that, that we hear a lot of, and I, I remember those press releases coming out because there was a, I think a span of two, two or three weeks where this, the Desi press release came out about the incident that the vulnerability that you found. And then peers, PSRS, the retirement system also had a, they actually had a breach an email account compromise so two two very different incidents but within a very short amount of time affecting virtually the same people um and and to your point about you know we hear about events like this in the news a lot i i think there's an important distinction there the events that a lot of people hear about, and, and there was one today, T- Toyota shut down a manufacturing facility in Japan because one of their third-party suppliers was hit with ransomware. Mm. You know, th- I think that's what people hear a lot of, and when, and when they hear of events like this, a cyber event, that's their minds go there. And, and to be completely clear with, with the uninitiated listener or the, or the non-tech-savvy listener that might be listening to this, um, our podcast for the first time, that is not what happened. Um, this was more or less a, a data vulnerability that was found. Um, there, there was no other action taken. So there, there are two very, very different things that happened there. Let, let's talk about some of the ramifications of this. Um, you know, like you said, that the governor did have that press conference and misclassified what happened maybe well um, okay. I, actually i just want to be really firm about this because um from my perspective it's really clear um what was going on and that is that the governor saw a political opportunity okay. to deflect from two big failures so okay. you're, you're, you're talking about the the uh pension system that um had been apparently penetrated yeah so when that happened in september and the letter for that was sent to teachers, I believe, the same day that our story published, or maybe the day that the governor had his press conference. Yeah, so the it was, state was the state yeah. was already aware of that. Yeah, they knew that that um, had happened. And then when I found this vulnerability, as you said, this is two big things affecting almost the exact same people yeah. within a month of each other. Uh, they knew that we didn't know that because nobody in the in the state outside of the state government knew about that. Right, they did. And so I feel, you know, I can't know this for certain, but based on the governor's actions um, and, and what we found, like what some of my colleagues found when they, um, you know, got open records requests to see some of the communications between different state leaders, 
um, you know, and Desi in the governor's office, it does seem pretty, pretty clear to me that this was a, a political effort. The governor wanted to save face, deflect from a, a big failure. Sure. And he saw an opportunity to go to, to punch his favorite bad guy, which is the press. The post-dispatch, yeah. Right. And accuse uh, us of committing a crime. And, yeah. And he stuck to that, even when, even far beyond, you know, once it was clear that, that no wrong had been done. And when, you know, even after all of this has been cleared, right. you know, he's still sticking to that. Right. Well, okay. So I'm, I'm just going to ask that. that this was one of the questions and, and I'm kind of jumping around here. Um, I, to, to today or to this, to, to right now, you have yet to receive an apology or any sort of, um, Hey, we misclassified this from the governor's office. Right. Right. Yeah. No, no, I haven't heard anything from them and I don't expect that I will. Have, have you been contacted or now switch, switch gears here from a support standpoint, have any other legislators in the, in the state or even national legislators, federal legislators reached out to you and said, Hey, Hey man, we, we understand what happened and, and, we got, we're behind you. We support you on this. Ha, has anyone contacted you like that? Um, well, first I heard from a lot of teachers over these last four months and a lot of regular folks. And Chris. <laughs> and me. <laughs> I tweeted at you a couple of times. Yes. And, and I, so I was hearing from a lot of support on Twitter by email, um, you know, letters to the editor and stuff. Um, and I did not hear from any, anybody um who who had anything negative to say and i was really worried about that when this whole thing Hmm. happened with the governor it was just total unknown for me like it was like going into you know parallel universe or something it didn't make any sense it never made any sense from the beginning and i was worried because we're we're living in times where people like to go on the attack yeah and i didn't know if if um you know maybe some of some of his hardcore supporters uh might want to you know kind of follow his lead and and attack us attack me or you know uh my family or whatever yeah god forbid your family right yeah so i was i was afraid that that might happen and thankfully that did not materialize and all almost all the feedback that i saw uh was just very supportive overwhelmingly supportive and that really was a big help through this time because it you know all for all these months we you know the stress has been will there be charges will you know wondering about where this where this is going to go sure and i no, and i had no no question that we would prevail no matter what but you know you, nobody wants to go through uh, you no. know being arrested or having a trial or you know that kind of stuff yeah but, I, I i imagine it was sort of like a out-of-body experience kind of thing where you know is this really happening to me you know it yeah. is is my name you know you're seeing your name in print and and being uh, brought up with these charges like this. And is this really happening to me? It's very, it's very surreal to see people that you've followed for years on Twitter that don't know you from Adam to suddenly start talking about you. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's a very strange, yeah, it's a very strange thing. Um, but, but there was a lot of support. I did, um, the week following, um, the Cole County prosecutor's announcement that he was not going to file any charges. Uh, I did hear from one state legislator who uh, state rep who basically said, you know, it's not my place to do this, but I'm going to do it anyway. And he, he apologized to me. Wow. Uh, and told me that he, uh, he's a Republican and his daughter uh, is a journalist and he himself is a retired educator. Hmm. And he just could not believe the way that I was treated and, and thought the whole thing was, uh, was a shame. It's just a lovely letter. And um, that's really the only kind of contact I've had from any state officials in terms of like, you know, an apology or whatever. But right. like, you know, I, like I said, I'm not expecting to hear from them. Um, you know, politicians these days, the playbook is don't acknowledge weakness or defeats so, or, sure. or, you know, mistakes or that kind of thing. And so I, given the governor's behavior since this whole thing began, I'm not expecting to hear anything. Uh, the opportunity is still open. Sure. I, I, I feel like this is a chance for him to, to really um, change the way that politics is done in our state. It's really corrosive right now. And I feel like he's got an opportunity here to, to show how to lead with dignity. 
Um, well, and, and but it I don't think just, he's going to take it. It could be just a, some, something as simple as, hey, a handshake. You know, I, you know, sorry. That yeah. that's all it would take. Um, yeah, no, Chris, I agree. Chris, what do you what do you want to ask? I was going to say, would you just unpack a little bit? So we know you as Josh. We know you as a member of the press with the St. Louis Post Dispatch. But I mean, there's family there, right? Would you just talk to um, how it impacted you? personally and family what that burden what that stress was like if you would just touch on that a little bit i i think that sure yeah well um i've got four kids uh my oldest daughter died in 2020 she had marfan syndrome uh she was a uh freshman in high school and so that was uh that's been a hard thing that we've gone through um well let me let me stop you right there uh i'm a member of the club too I lost a three-year-old son back in 2011. Oh wow! Yeah. Sorry um, to that. So, I I don't know your exact journey or what you're going through, but uh, let me just tell you, one foot in front of the other, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's that's what we've been doing um, in the time since then, and you know it hasn't been easy, but you know the pandemic on top of it. Um, so you know now there's the five of us. Uh, my so my uh, got two other daughters. Um, and one, one is in high school is a freshman this year. The other is a seventh grader. And then I have a son who's a sixth grader and all four of my kids, uh, went to Ferguson Florissant school district. Um, and, and so we, yeah, we've been, we're really active parents in their elementary school and, um, you know, have so many teachers in our lives, you know, in my family mm-hmm. and you know, friends, and then all the teachers that we've met over the years, with my kids that, that we love so much. And, um, so yeah, I guess the hard thing has been the uncertainty. I mean, there's just been a lot of stress on me and kind of reliving some of these moments. And then like, I guess over these four months, you know, there was the highway patrol, like it wasn't really clear if this was for real. Was he really, was he really, or had he really ordered the highway patrol to investigate? And we found out eventually, yes, he had. And, and so, you know, highway patrol came knocking and, uh, well, not knocking, but, um, you know, made contact. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so there were the whole thing with the lawyers and, you know, meeting with lawyers and uh, kind of going through step by step, everything, all the facts of the case and kind of reliving everything, um, you know, multiple times. And then, and then every so often um, there would be some opportunity that this story would come back up. You know, maybe somebody asked the governor something or um, you know, the governor ran his, one of his political action committees put together this ridiculous commercial fundraising commercial attacking the post and me. Um, so there were just these things that kept popping up and, you know, every time it would come up, it would just, um, you know, I don't know how to explain it, but it just does this physical thing to me, this, um, you know, kind of panic or str- not, not exactly panic, but uh, something like that. Sure, um, sure. Just an uneasy and, gut feeling kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. And, and as it got, as it kind of stretched out, you know, the uncertainties just kind of get where like, when is this thing going to end? What are they, what is taking so long? Yeah. It shouldn't yeah. be that hard. Right. And, uh, you know. And then, and then also kind of getting worked up about like when we, when we knew it was close, but then when we thought we might get a decision and it didn't come and, you know, so there were, there were the kind of these, these highs and lows of, you know, expecting something's about to happen and then it doesn't, and then waiting longer, you know, anyway, so it just took a toll on me. I'm, mm-hmm. I know that um, my kids heard, heard a little bit about it in school. I think um, maybe teachers that were kind of concerned or, or didn't know the whole story. And, and I, and I was you know, I didn't want my kids to be in an awkward position, but I, there was no way around it. Right. You know, they're, they're, they're in school. And this, this, this story involved, uh, you know, it involved teachers in schools. And yeah, right. um, so, um, but, you know, at the end of the day, we, we came through it and um, thankfully we've been able to put it behind us and um, you know, I'm not feeling the, those you know, kind of panicky anxiety sensations that I was feeling just, you know, just a week or two ago, anytime that I was revisiting this stuff, it was yeah. kind of stirring that up. I, I'm, I do feel like I'm making progress there, but yeah, it's, it's been a hard, it's been a hard several months. Yeah. I imagine. Um, so what would you, words of wisdom wise to 
to someone that stumbles across a vulnerability or a misconfiguration like this on a website and they think they've found protected information, be it a social security number, um, just some of that high value data. Words of wisdom, you know, are, are you gun shy now of, of, of contacting a data owner about a vulnerability or a misconfiguration now? Um, what, what would you recommend? I mean, it, obviously it's the responsible thing to do to contact the data owner. Um, yeah. but, yeah. but what are what are kind of your thoughts on that now? If something, if the exact same thing were to happen tomorrow, I'd probably do the exact same things that I did before. Yeah. Um, and kind of hope that, that the governor wouldn't repeat his mistake. I guess. <laughs> well, well you, mo- yeah, mo- you do the most thing of these, where most you, of these you incidents, wanna... I don't think are going to come to the attention of a, of a political official with the power to right a sitting governor. Yeah. Yeah. With executive power to launch an investigation. So yeah. I think in a lot of these circumstances, it, you know, it's probably okay, but there can be no question that um, the governor has put Missouri in the national eye in a very negative way. Um, we're a laughing stock, you know, among people who have followed this story and some of the related things that have, have kind of come to the light, uh, after this, uh, you know, mul- all sorts of kind of tech infrastructure stuff that's been reported on by the post and by others um, at the state government level. And I feel like there's been a lot of harm done to the state of Missouri by the governor's words and his actions. I think he, he, he has probably, he probably has caused a chilling effect. I imagine that it will impact people's willingness to report stuff. Yeah. I mean, me personally, I, I work for a newspaper. I have, we, we have, uh, you know, lawyers and, and we have the first amendment on our side. And um, so, you know, I'm not so worried about that, but I think a lot of regular people who have heard about this, mm-hmm. they probably will think twice. And, yeah. um, and that's really unfortunate. And I think it's a, I think it's, you know, that, that could cause harm to our state. And, sure. I, you know, like I said, if, if the governor were to take, a simple step like recognizing we didn't do this right. We yeah. want to encourage people to report bugs. And so we just want you to know that that we encourage that and we're not going to prosecute people who bring bugs to our tent. You know, it, it's something like that. Just a candy bar. could go that, a long way. Yes. That yes. They just need a candy yes. bar. What, what you got, yeah. Chris? I was going to say, it. I mean, but this is how I live. But you, you, you do the thing that you think is right because you believe that there's good in the world and in government and in our constitution uh, and that the truth is going to prevail in the whole bit. I mean, I got to believe that's why you got into journalism a little bit as yes, well. Yes. Uh, so I, I mean, I would hope that you, you would do it again. Now I'm the one sitting over here and I didn't just have all that <laughs> burden on my back, but that's what you hope because this yeah. ends up being the good example of, Oh, the, the truth did make it. And oh, yes. we are moving on. Uh, yeah, no, the, you're but right. How the, many the times truth... do we do that and somebody gets burned? I guess, like, or maybe it's always going to work. I hope it always works. Yeah, I hope I, that people always challenge it. I, I hope that that people, I mean, if they look at this, if they look at me, I hope that maybe it might give some people courage to stand up for what's right and that the truth did win out here. Uh, you know, the governor may not have acknowledged it, but everyone else has, and. Um, and, and you're right. Yeah, we got to do things just because they're right, not because of, um, you know, how it's going to work out for us. Yeah. And and I know that our state is full of people, uh, you know, who, who live that every day. Uh, and and so, you know, it, it's just I really do kind of lament the situation in our in our state where, where there it's a viable political strategy to do something like this. Right. And. And I, I just wish that that could change. And I and and also, I feel super strongly that there needs to be pushback. Like the governor's actions should have consequences. And and so I hope that, you know, people listening, that um, you know, voters, uh, legislators, need to push back on this. We we should not allow politicians to persecute people, uh, for their you know for goofy political reasons like this right whether you know like we can't use the law as a as a hammer to to hit our political opponents with well and and to that point um or perceived political opponents i should say true right yeah because he he just because i'm part of the press 
Right. He decided he could do this, and he. I was gonna, uh, and I'm completely inferring things here, but I read a statement that you gave, uh, and you threw in some sentences, faith-related sentences, uh, and good, good stuff, and then things that I've read about the governor, uh, very similar. Uh, You both say things that I think would align, yet on this because politics creeps in you're polarized and that's super i mean that's 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 bad i wish we could find things to agree on you know and this what i will say is this this did seem to be something that everybody outside the governor's orbit well would agree on and and i was just going to bring that up so so through some of the freedom of information act or open record requests that that the post dispatch has done um there's documentation that shows it, it seems like everyone else in the in that state government vertical from from Desi to PR people to several different internal organizations were all like, here's the press release. We're ready to do this. We want to thank him for pointing this issue out. And and yes, we will take action on it. This is, you know, data integrity and data privacy is very important, yada, yada, yada. We will take action on this. And then something changes or it gets into someone else's hands and the story completely flips the other direction. Of, and, and, did you just and throw something? I did. I dropped a screw. Sorry, I've got a bad habit of fidgeting. <laughs> You're getting uh, so worked up. I, I am, I'm talking with my hands. Um, <laughs> and, and, you know, the, the storyline flips and, and all of a sudden you become the villain. And, and I think that's what's so striking to me and and to a number of people you know in that cybersecurity sphere on the on twitter and on the web of why this story was so important you know you you take remove the the social security number part of the story out you identified a vulnerability a misconfiguration and and went from you know hero to zero if you want to use that that phrase or you know they should be thanking you, and now they're they're going after you with a highway patrol investigation. Um, I think that's why it got so much attention the way it did is because it is so backwards. I I, I don't know. I mean, just completely shocking of how that went. Because well, um, we 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 talked about the whole, and I hate even saying the phrase, but the fake news thing. Yeah, you could go look at tech articles about this that dug in pretty deep, and it was the truth. And yeah. then you could go look at the news articles that like my dad would watch uh, <laughs> and see the opposite. And there's again, it's way like, no, look at look at these articles. Uh, that's just what people are saying. But look at these articles because this, this stuff's explaining it, actually. Right. And I, it, yeah, it's bizarre. Well, and and listening to the people that know what they're talking about, you know, th- there are individuals at the state level in in the office of administration that that know cyber they they know it um and and listen it, it just to listen to those individuals about their judgment on this incident would have been yeah he he found he pointed out a vulnerability that's that's on us that's not on him he's not the bad guy here this was somebody screwed up in a configuration we can take the site down, address it. We move on. Thank you for pointing this out. Um, yeah, I, I still am shocked on on how that played out. Um, but we're not shocked in the vulnerability because that what I mean the web apps on the Desi site's been trashed for years and years and years, and everybody knew it. De- Desi's yeah, yeah. Desi's website's been a joke for. I mean, <laughs> it, it's it has really struggled to keep up with with uh just requests just functioning on a daily level let alone you know <laughs> any any misconfigurations um so i chris do you have anything else i i don't know i'm, I'm just kind of no um, we've i mean i think we've killed this thing yeah josh it, it, you, you did so i'm i'm good about throwing out random questions so you mentioned <laughs> having kids and i think you told us you did some lego robotics yes would you would yeah, you speak so, to that a little bit i oh, do sure, vex, yeah i do vex robotics um, yeah, yeah. I've always looked at the Lego stuff before. So first Lego League, um, let's see, I guess it was in 2016, the principal at the elementary school, Dr. Washington, wanted to start a, uh, 
a girls robotics team. And so she had worked out this thing. She's going to have a partnership with the Girl Scouts and um, all they needed was a coach. And so my wife heard about it and, and volunteered me for the job. And uh, <laughs> as any and, good, any wife would, right? <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. And uh, I was kind of uncertain about it at first, but, you know, I quickly, quickly kind of got hooked on it. There, first Lego league, there's a lot to learn it. And that first year was really crazy trying to um, understand, you know, how the season works and what, what all is involved in it. Um, but it was, it was a lot of fun. And the, in fact, that first season, um, so my, my oldest daughter was one of the, one of the founding members of the team. Um, after the, the season was finished, the Girl Scouts had us um, do some kind of like some fundraising things and some um, like they had some, some expos they did, including a STEM expo at the Missouri Capitol. So we went, um, went, to, the, went to the Capitol that spring and they got to meet um, like their state legislators and uh, like the state rep in Ferguson uh, at that time met the team and kind of took them out onto the floor of the legislature and all the, all the legislators, I guess, kind of like recognized them or whatever. And, awesome. and they got to take some pictures there on the floor with, uh, with, with a bunch of state reps from North County uh, in St. Louis. So that was really cool. So that first season, it was just like all this cool stuff that happened. Um, and then we kind of, you know, the, each year we kind of had like maybe some kids that stuck with it and then maybe like some new kids that yep. came in, but it was kind of a, it was a school-based team. And so as, as kind of girls aged in or aged out, it kind of changed. And then we also had a junior first Lego league team. And um, the last year that we did or bef bef when that, before that elementary school closed, we actually had two junior FLL teams and one of them um, kind of won this little lottery to go to the, first Lego league expo or world championship down in Houston. Sweet. And so at the junior level, they don't, they don't actually like compete so much as they kind of like, um, like kind of everybody shares, but it's not like a team wins or something. Yeah. So they have like a lottery and they invite you to come down. And so we were actually able to take um, one of those teams down to, to Houston for the, um, for this world expo. It was just so cool. They got to meet um, like a guy who worked at NASA and, you know, I don't know, this is really awesome couple of days uh, with those girls. And then um, since the, the elementary school eventually closed, um, but then my family and another family kind of kept the team going, but it was, it became a mix of, of girls and boys. And awesome. uh, so we, we still did that. We competed this past season. Actually um, last year was the first year that we finally won a qualifier and we advanced to the regional championships. That was really exciting um, after I think maybe six or seven years of competing, we finally cracked it once. So um, it's been a lot of fun. It, I, I really get a kick out of building with the Legos myself. And it's always fascinating to me that I will totally over-engineer something. You know, I'll trying to solve some mission. I'll think up like a, a motorized attachment that, you know, is like kind of really fancy, really sturdy. And then when you, when you go to actually try to use it, it's, it's, works okay, but not that great. And then the mm -hmm. kids will just say, Hey, what if we just put this piece on the, the end and let it hang off. And when the robot drives past, it'll knock the thing over. And, you know, just these really low tech solutions that are yes. often much better <laughs> solutions than, you know, than the super crazy, uh, you know, fancy motorized kind of thing. And it, so it, it's really fun to see that engineering process um, at work, but it's also, it, it, it can be hard. It can be frustrating. Like the writing the code for these robots and having to repeat it over and over and over to find what the little fine tuning things that will make that robot work a little bit better or to find the bug. Um, Cause that's what we're talking about tonight, <laughs> you know, finding those bugs. Why is this program not working the way I think it should? That's awesome. And it's so man. frustrating, so hard. That, that's a great way to tie it all together, man. Finding the bug and Lego in your Lego uh, first program. And you should have yeah. just stuck with Legos, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah that's the moral of the story yeah stick with legos yeah well josh we really appreciate your time tonight we we've taken up an hour of your time um i think this was uh, a very enlightening talk uh and, and it's i think it was it's really nice to hear it from your perspective from from the i think what was most telling was the 
the weight that it put on you, you know, after, after it all happened and it went sideways and waiting for that investigation to finish and just that kind of cloud hanging over until it was done. Um, we, I, we super appreciate you being completely transparent with us and honest with us about this. Cause you, I mean, let's face it, Chris can be really annoying on Twitter and you could have just told him to buzz off. I so still, I still can't believe you emailed me back. <laughs> So we we really appreciate it. Um, yeah, I, I don't I know what else to say. To, you know, to, to, to your audience, you know, to you guys and your audience, I just want to say, you know, thank you for what you guys do. And you know, my kids are in school, and I know, you know, just how hard it is with all the these, especially these last few years. Is so much stuff is you know remote school and virtual school, and um, there, there's just a ton of tech challenges. And and I know that it's not easy to get this stuff right. And, and so I just want to say thanks to, to all of you um, for doing what you're doing. And, you know, I feel the same way about the folks at Desi. I mean, uh, I know that they're all working for the the good of our kids and, and I'm, you know, I'm just glad that, that, that people are out there doing it. Yeah. You know, the, the saying that we've, we've got to get it right every time. And the, the other guys or the guys on the outside only have to get it right once. Um, I think that kind of, rings very true I, I know all of our listeners will will understand that statement um chris you want to wrap her up for tonight i got i'm out you're out all right I'm well, out. <laughs> again thanks josh for for coming and and talking with us tonight that was episode 63 if you enjoyed it share it with your friends with your cohorts with your uh professional organizations other school districts uh we will be back to regular i well regular guest host opportunities next week uh we've got another guest host lined up the last guest the last guest special guest host will be next week and then we will have a decision he is booked so do not email us that we're way over it yeah so uh hopefully we'll have a decision on who will fill in the empty chair from the guy that is no longer named um bob that bob guy said he sucks yeah that bob guy didn't like that other guy that our old guy okay Um, so yeah, that was episode 63. Thanks for listening. See you next week.